The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Well, we are in the middle of a little three-week series that we're doing called The Art of Neighboring. And, uh, and the idea behind this series, uh, as, as we get into it, so, so Pastor Barrett was here and he, he started us off and we looked at the story of the Good Samaritan last week, perhaps a familiar text to you. And uh, if you missed it, it's online, you can check out our podcast, He Knocked It Out of the Park. Um, but, but this week we're going to continue in this series of, of the art of neighboring. And here's the reason behind this. Um, some of you may remember a couple of years ago, uh, over 300 churches in the Austin area, including our church, uh, participated in a, a movement called Explore God. And the idea behind that was to sort of raise spiritual conversations within the Austin metro area uh, and and really to facilitate spiritual conversations between Christians and non-Christians about sort of the the deeper questions of life. Why are we here? What's going on? Is there a God? Isn't there? What's true? What's not? And so that was kind of the part of it. And and it worked to a certain degree. Uh, But the idea with the art of neighboring is we're actually taking this to the next level. And so churches all across our city, our goal is about 500 churches to be participating in this, are actually doing a three-week little series right now where we're talking about the art of neighboring. And then in January, we're going to have a big public campaign talking about neighboring. And then the goal is um, by spring, we're going to have a few thousand uh, neighborhood groups where we actually get together with our neighbors, those that actually live near us, those neighbors, um, and, and talk about what it is to be a good neighbor and talk about what it is to love where we live. And so that's the idea behind this. So this is really just our, our first couple steps into that to a much bigger process uh, but the reality is we as Christians, like, we really need to learn what it is to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Like, that's, that's kind of our bread and butter, right? I mean, that's Jesus, that's his big deal, right? The, the great commission is go, therefore, and make disciples uh, of all nations. But the great commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And so I get it. So, so I'm up here and I say, all right, we're going to do three weeks on loving your neighbor as yourself. And some of you may be thinking, like, bro, like, I grew up in the church, you know, like, I know, I know all about loving your neighbor as yourself. You may even be saying, I didn't grow up in the church, and I still know all about loving your neighbor as yourself, right? It's the golden rule, baby. Everybody knows it. It just works. Why are you wasting your time? Why are you spending three weeks talking about loving your neighbor as yourself? Here's why. There's a story that uh, one of my favorite philosophers, Pete Rollins, tells. And uh, some of you have heard me tell it before, but it goes like this. There's, there's a man. This man thought he was a seed, like a seed, like that birds eat, okay? So clearly he's got some mental issues, right? And so, so he goes into a psychiatrist, and he sees a psychiatrist for, for years and years and years, and just constantly he's like, no, I'm a seed, I'm not a man, I'm a seed, I'm not a man. Finally, after hours and hours of therapy, he has a breakthrough, and he realizes, oh, I'm a man, I'm a man, and, and he's ecstatic, his psychiatrist is ecstatic, and, and he, the psychiatrist doesn't hear from the man for several months, And then one day, the psychiatrist gets a a panicked phone call from this guy. And the guy says, doctor, doctor, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. And the doctor says, okay, you know, what's going on? Just chill out. He goes, doctor, my my neighbor just moved in next door. And he's got chickens. I'm afraid they're going to eat me. And the doctor says, dude, slow down. Remember, you're a a man. You're not a seed. Chickens aren't going to eat you. You're a man, you're not a seed. And the guy says, yeah, well, I know that, but do they? Now, okay, sinks in. Okay, pastor joke, right? Okay, so, but what I like about that story is this, is it illustrates the way that I think loving your neighbor works for a lot of people. 
right? See, when it's just this man and his psychologist, he has no problem kind of cognitively with the intellectual ascent, thinking like, okay, I'm a man, I'm not a seed. He's got that. But then when chickens become involved, right, rubber meets the road, his intellectual understanding just doesn't cut it anymore. And see, this is what happens to us oftentimes with loving your neighbor as yourself. Like, it's a great idea. We all love the idea. You don't have to be a Christian to like that idea. We, we all love the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. But in practice, it's really, really hard. It's really hard to love people. And so we say, yes, of course, I love people. Loving your neighbors yourself means that you just love all people. And in one sense, yes, that's true. But the challenge in this series is this, is we want to love our actual neighbors. Like the, the word in Greek literally means the near ones, those that are geographically near you. Like the guy next door to you who doesn't mow his lawn, or their music's too loud, or they leave their trash cans on the street. The idea is to say, let's actually love those neighbors, those people that God has placed us geographically in proximity to. See, and this is something we as Christians should be really, really good at. But I've found in my own life and in the lives of, of folks that I know, we're not excellent at it. And see, what we do with Jesus' outrageously practical message is, is, is we sort of, uh, that's what I'm looking for, we sort of turn it into a, a metaphor, Right? So do you love your neighbor yourself? Well, yeah, I love, I love everybody. No, no, like your neighbor, like the one right next to you. Well, I love my metaphorical neighbor. Okay, well, what does that look like? Well, I have a, a metaphorical love for my metaphorical neighbor, which is to say you don't really have a love for your neighbor at all, right? So, so we need work at this. We need to practice this. We need to think hard about this. And fortunately, again and again in the life of Jesus, he gives us example after example of what it looks like to actually love our neighbor. And so in our text for today, we're going to see three ways that love functions. All right. First of all, love is interruptible. Love is interruptible. Secondly, love is practical. And third, love is powerful. Okay. Love is interruptible. It's practical. It's powerful. Okay. So let's get going. Love is interruptible. So you saw as we read through the text, Jesus is going about his business. He's doing his thing. And this guy comes up to him, a ruler in the synagogue. Uh, his name's Jairus. And he says, teacher, my daughter is really sick. She's 12 years old. She's at the point of death. You've got to help her out. You've got to heal her. And Jesus says, all right. And so he goes his way to go heal this little girl who's sick. And a great crowd follows him. That's what the text says. But as he's on his way to heal this girl who's on her deathbed, this happens. Look with me uh, at at uh, verses 25 through 30. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? All right, so Jesus is on his way to heal the very sick daughter of a very important man. And, and on his way, a lady who's been bleeding for 12 years touches his garment. So what's going on there? Well, most commentators suggest that this, this lady who'd been bleeding for 12 years had, had a uterine hemorrhage. 
uh, which, which what that meant, I mean, I think you know what that means anatomically, okay, but what that meant uh, socially and religiously was this. Leviticus 15.25 says any woman who, who has this going on, has a discharge of blood that's lasting for a while, is ritually impure. And so what that meant is no one in her community could touch her. It meant no one could touch the things that she touched. It meant that if she sat down somewhere, no one could sit there until they'd purified it. It also meant that she could never go into the temple. She couldn't go into the place to worship God. And so this lady, for 12 years, was an outcast of her community for something she could do absolutely nothing about. And so out of desperation, as she sees Jesus coming, she reaches out, touches his garment, and she's healed. And like, there's so much we can pull from this text. But what I want us to focus on today is this, Jesus' actions of love towards this woman. Look at verse 30. He stops, right? It says, he immediately turned around and said, who touched my garments? Now think about this with me, right? Like, Jesus knows who touched him. He doesn't need to ask that question. He knows who touched him. He knows that she's healed. And Jesus is on the way to heal a little girl who is on her deathbed, like doing important stuff. And yet, he stops. And he asks, who touched me? Why is that? Because love is interruptible. Because love is interruptible. See, Jesus loved this woman so much, he had so much compassion on this woman, that it wasn't enough to simply heal her. That wasn't enough. No, 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 no. He wanted to show her that she mattered. This lady who'd been on the outside of her community for 12 years, Jesus wanted to say, no, 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 I know who you are. You matter. You're a person. You have value. You have worth. See, you can heal someone without loving them, right? But you can't love someone without knowing them. You can't love someone without knowing them. And so Jesus is interruptible. And that begs the question of us then, right? Jesus is interruptible. Are you? Are you interruptible? Or are you so busy that you don't have time to love your neighbors? That you don't have time to love those that God has placed in your life? See, up to this point, some of you may be thinking like, okay, Pastor Gabe, like, I get it, bro. Like, you want us to love our neighbors. You want us to love those near you and near us, that, that God has placed near us. And, and I think that's a great idea. I'm all for it. But I just got to be honest, man. I'm just too busy. I don't have time to do it. I don't have time to do it. Baloney. Baloney sandwich, man. We all have the same amount of time. We all got 24 hours in a day. It's just a matter of how you prioritize it. It's whatever you choose to make a priority. Right? I mean, let's be honest. We're all folks living in the burbs, and so we're all busy driving from one place to another. But let's be honest for a second here. We're all choosing to be busy. You're choosing to be busy. Like, no one is forcing you to do anything. We all have the same amount of time. It's just a matter of how you choose to prioritize it. I mean, just think about it. Jesus is on his way to save a little girl from dying. You doing anything that important? Right? And yet he's willing to be interrupted to show compassion to this woman. So maybe we need to learn to reprioritize our time so we can actually love our neighbors. Author John Ortberg puts it like this. We'll have it up on the screen. It says this. Love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. 
Love always takes time. And time is the one thing hurried people don't have. Now, I know I'm sounding like a bit harsh, like, hey, take a week off and you come back with the fire. Yes. But understand, like, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself, too, because believe it or not, I know, I know you think I only work one hour a week, uh, but, but I'm actually um, a, a, a relatively busy guy. Uh, you, you can ask my wife. We actually have a policy in my home where I'm only allowed to work uh, three nights a week because otherwise they just get filled up and then I'm gone morning to night every day of the week. So, so, so I'm a busy dude. we got to set some boundaries that way. But I've always had this philosophy in ministry uh, where I'm never going to ask Y'all, I'm never going to ask people to do what I'm not willing to do for myself, not willing to do myself, right? And so as this series has been approaching and as I know we're trying to do this thing, I'm like, oh, man, i got to love my neighbors too, right? Like I have to love the people next to me. So all right, let's do it. And, uh, and so I just bought a house like three months ago. And so, so far, I've only met two of my neighbors, all right? So on the right side, i got Cedric. He's a truck driver, UT fan, probably early 40s, married, three kids, Okay. Left side, I got Aaron, who's, uh, <laughs> I was going to tell you his Wi-Fi password, or not password, but name, uh, but it's, I can't say it up front, it's PG-13, all right, so I'll tell you later. Anyways, um, and so, uh, so Aaron, he's, he's a young dude, single, probably about my age, and uh, has the world's loudest car, uh, and, and so he's, he's to the left of me. Anyways, uh, one day, Cedric and Aaron are out, and they're, they're hanging out in Aaron's garage looking at his incredibly loud car. And, uh, and I'm out, and I'm taking the trash out, and I had a bunch of stuff going on, but I was like, all right, Gabe, you know, like, love is interruptible. If you're going to love your neighbors, you got to know them, so just, just go say hey and see what's up. So, so I go, and, and I say, hey, what's up, and start talking, and they're really nice guys, and it was, it was, it was fine, uh, but they were talking about the car. Like, the engine was on. They're right there, and here's the thing. Like, I'm kind of a weird dude, right? Like, like when it comes to, to bro talk, you know, I've, there's, there's very few categories that I'm good at. Like, like I can talk about sports, mostly football uh, and American football. You saw what I did there? Okay. Um, and, uh, and so that, that, that's about it. You know, I can talk about red meat if you want to. Little weightlifting. I tried P90X for a while. Light housework, you know, like, oh, yeah, my electric drill is great. You know, like, I can do that. You know, but like my number one, like, worst bro topic in the world that I know nothing about is cars. Like, nothing. I don't care about them. And Lord knows I've tried. Like, I'm from the Motor City. Like, I'm from Detroit. Like, that's all anyone talks about there, okay? But I just, I, I don't care. I just want to get from A to B. I'm glad this thing does it, right? But here they are talking about cars. And so I'm just standing there like an idiot, you know? Like, well, you see, I can't even make jokes about what they're talking about because I don't know the words. And there's like, <laughs> well, you see here, the piston doing this. And I was like, cool. And so I, li- I stood there for five minutes, and I was like, well, it's a really, really neat car, you guys. And... See you later. And, and so I left, right? And that's, that's it. That was, my, that was my first encounter with them. Awkward, uncomfortable. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. But the reality is you can't love someone if you don't know them. You can't love people if you're not willing to be interrupted, if you're not willing to be inconvenienced by them. And so if I'm going to actually love my actual neighbors as myself, this is the beginning of my story with them, not the end. Right? I'm staying interruptible. And so if you're actually going to follow Jesus, it's going to come down to you choosing to use your time in such a way that you are interruptible. Because love takes time. And if we don't want to just be metaphorical followers of Jesus, but actual ones, we got to be willing to be interruptible. In their book, The Art of Neighboring, that this whole series is based off of, 
uh, the authors say this. In this life, we can only do a few things really well. It's a good idea to make certain that one of those things is what Jesus says is most important. Jesus says the greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to make that a priority of something I want to be really, really good at. You have to take time to love your neighbor. Be interruptible. Second facet of love that we see in our text is that love is practical. Love is practical. Look with me at verses 31 to 34. And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. All right, so this woman touches Jesus' garment. She's healed. He asks, Who touched me? The woman steps up. She lays it all out there. And then verse 34, Jesus says to her, Daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And so what does Jesus do here? Like, not only does he heal her, not only does he acknowledge her and connect with her, but he speaks truth into her life, right? He says, daughter. Daughter of who? Man, daughter of God. Daughter of the God that she hasn't been able to worship for the last 12 years. Jesus says, hey, you're not out. You're actually in. You're the daughter of the king. You're the daughter of the creator. You're good to go. And then he says, it's, it's by your faith, it's by your connection to me that you've been made well. You're at peace. Go and be healed. See, Jesus heals her. He speaks truth to her. He brings a sense of peace about her. Her being around him was better for her than not being around him, right? She knows he loves her. She knows he cares about her. See, love is practical. Love is practical. And the same is true of us when it comes to loving our neighbors. See, you corporate types will love this, all right? How do I know if I love my neighbor? Measure it. Just measure it. Measure it. What have you done out of love for your neighbor? You brought them cookies. You invited them to dinner. You mowed their lawn, prayed for them, talked to them, gotten to know their name. See, and I say that, love is practical, right? Love is practical. And I say that, and someone says, whoa, pastor, you can't measure love, right? I just really want my love to be authentic, and I just really want it to blossom from who I am. Okay, that's fine. I believe in that too. Okay, but let's think about authentic love. Who do you love? Your family. What does that look like? Well, you do stuff for them. You care about them. You probably know their name. And so let me just say, if you're waiting for the love to be authentic before doing anything, it's not going to happen. Start showing love, and trust me, the authenticity will come. I remember when we uh, first moved here, a couple right next door to us, uh, they, they had a young daughter, and then um, the the wife of the couple was, was pregnant with our second daughter, and Melissa was pregnant with Titus at the time. And uh, we ended up getting to know this couple through a couple Frisbees that got thrown over the fence. And, um, and so we got to know them, then we in, invited them over for dinner. We hung out, and then when they had their baby, we brought over cookies. And then when we had Titus, they came, and they, they brought over a bottle of wine because uh, they know where our priorities are. And so... Um, <laughs> So, so we did that, and, um, and we, we actually grew to like have just a really, really great friendship with them. Um, and then they actually moved away. But just a couple months ago, they, they had a death in the family, and, and they reached out to us, and they said, and they're, they're, in their words, 
not church-going type people, right? Whatever that is. And so, um, and so we're like, that's fine. You know, we still just love you. And, and they reached out to us after this death in the family and said, hey, would you guys pray for us? You know, we don't really have a lot of people in our life that do that. Uh, would you meet with us and talk with us about this as, as we're figuring this out? And so, so I'm, I'm not saying that to, to, to brag myself up. I'm just trying to show, like, loving our neighbors is practical, right? You can just tell, like, either you've done it or you haven't. You see it in action. And so a dream for my church, is, for, my church for our church is this. That when people hear you're from Axe Church Leander, they're like stoked that you live next to them, right? Like, you, you know, move into a neighborhood, meet the neighbor, be like, oh, so, so where do you go to church? I'll go to Axe Church Leander. Honey, we got a good one. I'm not mowing my lawn anymore. They're taking care of it, right? Like, <laughs> that would be my dream, right? That Axe Church Leander would be, thank you, Phoebe, uh, that, that, that Axe Church Leander would be the best neighbors in the world, that people would love to sit next, live next to us. Like, it should be a blessing to live next to a Christian. It should be a noticeable difference because we love our neighbors as ourselves. And for some of you, that may just involve actually walking next door, knocking, and introducing yourself. And I understand all this is kind of scary, and it's hard, and it's like, why would we do it? Here's why. Third point, love is powerful. So Jesus is, is interrupted by this bleeding woman. And while that happens, he gets word that the little girl that he's supposed to go heal has actually died. Has died. But Jesus tells the father, hey, don't worry about it. I'm going to go anyways. Just don't doubt, believe. He goes there and he says, oh, she's not dead. She's asleep. And people start laughing at him. And he says, all right, check this out. So he goes in, verses 41 to 42. This happens. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kume which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. So Jesus raises a little girl from the dead, right? Which is amazing, amazing. But how does he do it? He speaks two words in Aramaic. He says, Talitha kume. Now, I speak those two words, nothing's going to happen, right? But Jesus speaks those two words, and he raises a girl from the dead. Why? Because the power is not in the words. The power is in him, Jesus Christ. And see, Jesus is the perfect embodiment of love. And what we see is that Jesus' love is powerful, that Jesus' love has power to bring life from death. And see, we're only going to be willing to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're only going to be willing to do the awkward things and the hard things and connect with people who are different than us, who maybe we don't even like, if we understand that Jesus' love is powerful. That to this day, his love brings life from death. That there's no one beyond his reach. That there's no one beyond his love. It's only when that sinks deep into our hearts that we're willing to do the hard things that we have to do to love our neighbors. And see, that will only sink deep into your heart when you realize that's exactly what's been done for you. That if you call yourself a Christian, what that means is Jesus has spoken life into you. He said, little girl, I say to you, arise. Little boy, I say to you, arise. So the reality is what Scripture says is that all of humanity, all of us, are dead before God. That because of our sin, we stand before God, but we don't stand. We lay before God as corpses. We got nothing we can do to make ourselves right before him. We got nothing we can do to fix ourselves. Being a really nice person, being a really moral person, going to church doesn't raise dead people from, to life. 
It doesn't happen, right? You can bring a dead body in this building. Not going to do anything, right? The only thing that brings dead people to life is the power of Jesus' love. And so if you're a Christian, it's because a miracle has happened in your life. It's because Jesus has spoken his words of love to you that have raised you to new life. Ephesians 2 puts it like this. We'll have it up on the screen. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. See, if you get that apart from Christ, that apart from Jesus, you're dead before God. You're spiritually dead. You're a corpse before God. But that because of him, because he came after you, because he pursued you and spoke words of life, spoke words of love into you, you now know God. You now know his love. When that penetrates into your heart, that no power of your own did this, but only his power, man, it's a no-brainer that that love would extend to your neighbors. It's a no-brainer that that love would overflow to those that God has placed near you. So when our church was, was first getting started, um, we had our first, what you call, our launch team meeting. It was our vision meeting uh, in the house of, of some leaders of our church. And, uh, and they invited their whole street to be a part of it to check out what we were trying to do. So they invite their whole street, all their neighbors, to, to be a part of it. One couple showed up. One couple showed up, and they came, and their intentions were not to join our church. Uh, I think it was more of a curiosity thing than anything. And I know this because my first conversation with them went like this. Hey, so uh, you're going to start a church? Yep. Cool. Uh, so do, do you have a place where you guys are going to meet yet? It's like, no, we're, we're still looking for that. Okay, well, you know, you can use our backyard if you want. So, okay, well, thank you. That's very nice. And they said, yeah, you know, we normally charge $500 to rent it out to people. Uh, but for religious organizations like yourself, we charge $1,000. That was my first conversation with them, right? <laughs> but can I tell you something? I'm not going to embarrass them, but through the consistent love of one family in their neighborhood, that couple has worshipped with us several times. That couple has served alongside of us several times. That couple has taken part in small groups. Uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And all it is is the constant love of this one family. It's not an agenda. They're not trying to trick them. They're just loving them and loving them and loving them. And the only reason this family does that is because they know the power of the love of Jesus because they've experienced it themselves. And so it only makes sense that they'd extend that to those around them. So my prayer for you all this week is that you be empowered by the love that Jesus has for you. And that would overflow into a love for your neighbors. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, give you thanks for this time. I give you thanks that you sent Jesus that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, while we could do nothing to know you, to be right with you, you sent Jesus to claim us, to make us your own, to speak a word of life into our lives. And so God, I, I pray that we would recognize the power of that. That we would see that apart from him, we wouldn't know your love. But because of him, we do know your love. May that overwhelm us to such a degree that we're willing to take risks, we're willing to look a little foolish for the sake of people knowing your love through us. 
pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.